And yes, showing the world Cajuns have intelligence. People might not think about that this weekend because, you know, Ida is on the way. And as I do this show, it's just a few hours and a lot of the state has evacuated. And we're just going to go ahead and ride this out. Thank the Lord that it has shifted more east and it's not affecting us as much. I pray for my friends in Baton Rouge. New Orleans, Slidell, even some parts of Mississippi, and the great state of Alabama. But we just want to, you know, by the time you hear this episode, you're going to know that, you know, the hurricane has already made late fall. We already know where it's at. Right now, we don't. Right now, I don't know where it's located. Uh, right now, at the time of this recording, I think it's we're starting to get the outer bands of the, the storm. But uh, keep track of Facebook, guys, because I'm probably going to be giving posts and I'm going to go ahead and probably do live stream. I did it last time with, um, I think it was Barry, one of the storms. And that's when we was doing Brothers Just Searching. And I went ahead and gave a live um, live video on Facebook and giving the updates of what's going on. Also, we have some things planned on Facebook. Uh, I got some stuff with Scott Ford and Nate Savage and Lauren Collins and the great Curtis Harper. We have a few things planned out to, to we plan to go live today. We got to see how the weather plays out. And I know by the time this recording, it'll be Monday. So go check it out. It, probably, it might be there. It might not be. It might not be. But eventually, we all will get together. That is something we've been trying to do. Been trying to get the uh, conservative uh, uh, Avengers together. You know, um, we're Scott does a good job at that. He goes ahead and says we are like the conservative Avengers where we have nicknames for each other. Like he calls himself Iron Man. I call myself Captain America. Uh, Lauren Collins called herself Scarlet Witch. And we just, we just have fun with that. It's a fun thing to do. But we all want to get together as the Avengers. We all started separate and we work our way together. We teamed up here, there and everywhere. But we want to all get together and have a, a panel to talk about the things that are going on in this world today. So, but look, we got a lot of things going on today, folks. Um, in the second segment, I have the honor and the privilege to talk with Pastor Greg Locke from Global Vision Bible Church. He will be with us on the second segment. Great guy. I, I think it's going to be a great interview. And uh, we're going to see, as he says, we're going to talk about faith, family, and politics. As he says on his On Point podcast, go ahead and check that out as well. Um, great guy. I just, you know, was a privilege to, uh, to, to, to talk with him and get ready for this interview. It's going to be fun, guys. It's going to be fun. So go ahead. Stay tuned for the second segment of this podcast. You won't want to miss it. Also, if you have not yet, hit that subscribe button. It helps out more than you know. Also, go check out our Facebook page at the Cajun Conservative Show on Facebook, you can also find us at the Cajun Conservative Show You can reach out to me through email at the Cajun Conservative Five at gmail.com. If you're a podcaster or if you're a radio show or if you're a TV host or something like that and you hear this podcast, you want to reach out to me, email me that email me at that email, Cajun Conservative Five at gmail.com. We can work something out for the interview or something. I'm, I'm always open for the interview, folks. I'm always open. I was on Culper's Canteen Cup a few weeks ago. Um, in the works right now with uh, my brother Nate Savage uh, from Savage Fifty Five, uh, 
50-50 YouTube. I don't know why I go ahead and say 55, but Savage5050 at YouTube.com. You can go ahead and find him on there. Great, great group of guys. And I just, I just love talking. Hey, if you give me an opportunity to talk, I will stand up and I will talk about anything. You know, uh, talk about our podcast, Brothers Just Search. You can find them on anchor.fm. Just type in BJS Ministries. At the end of that, you find Brothers Just Searching. We're on all the platforms as well. We're on YouTube. You can go find us. And we're talking about, uh, we just finished up the Roman Empires. We're talking about the Statue of Daniel. Great cop, uh, great topics, great things going on. And I, I'm energized today, folks. It's, I'm, I'm doing this early in the morning. I got my cup of coffee and I'm just, I'm just ready to go because I have a lot of things to talk about today. I mean, you know, I'm going to even tell you all something right now. I'm planning. I say plan because like last week I had tons of stuff planned, but you know, I I just had to, had to fill out my emotions and I had to go ahead and tell you all some things that were on my chest that I think needed to be said. But you know, I'm planning today to talk about critical race theory and why it's false. And I'm going to even use the NFL. I'm just giving you a tease into what I'm thinking about in the third segment. But this first segment, I, I want to go ahead and go back to Afghanistan. You know, um, the, prior to this week, President Biden, look, to be honest, President Biden did have another terrible week with Afghanistan. Afghanistan is that, 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 that monster in the closet that comes at you out of surprise. And as we know, the, uh, two weeks ago, Biden went ahead and said, we're going to go pull out of Afghanistan. We're pulling out the military. We're, we gave away Bagram, the, the Air Force base out there. We're just going to get rid of it. We're going to give it to the Afghanians. They're ready to go. And even at one point, he said, I, it, it's highly unlikely that the Taliban is going to take over Afghanistan. Well, as we know, it happened. 11 days into them planning to pull out, the Taliban moved in in Afghanistan. And guess what? They just took over. In 11 day span, look, hardly without firing a shot, a lot of Afghanistan people, even their military, went ahead and just gave it up to them. Now, I'm hearing reports this week, and like I said, I'm, I'm in contact with a lot of podcasters. They do a lot of research, like I do, and we, we're hearing reports that some of the Afghanian people that served in their military are being executed right now. I didn't see the video, but one of my friends told me I seen the video and is giving them nightmares. It's sad, folks, that the Taliban has taken over and we just bye bye. Well, last well, this week was very hard, but at the beginning of the week, I want to go to the beginning of the week because the White House released, I think it was the political or one of the newspapers that they wanted their props in Afghanistan. They want credit for what's going on in Afghanistan. Let me explain a little bit, folks. According to the White House, they're doing a good job. Even Nancy Pelosi says she gives, uh, she gives props to the president. The president is handling this beautifully. Now, this is at the, as, the, as impeachment uh, calls rise up and the 25th Amendment called um, later. And I'm going to talk about, probably about it a little later on in this segment about how some of the GOP Republicans are writing letters to Kamala Harris. And y'all know my thoughts on this. I think that this is a, a, a plot to get Kamala Harris in there. We knew this. The great late Rush Limbaugh predicted this. And a lot of people thought he was crazy. A lot of people thought he was stupid. But a lot of, and a lot of us that heard it, we believed it. But they, they, I think this is a ploy to get Kamala Harris in there. 
Now, like I said, has he done impeachable things? Yes, and there should be a call for impeachment. Now, Dan Bongino put a good uh, a spotlight on it when he said, we know he's not going to be replaced, but we want him to be held accountable. When you get impeached, that holds a weight. In reality, I think it's just a political football at this point. Look, he has given weapons to our to our enemies. He has done stupid stuff, and we're going to talk about on Thursday the tragedy of losing 13 Americans. I believe that he has done impeachable things, and that, that's where it puts me at a tall. Well, look, I believe the Republicans are falling into the hands of the Democrats because they, the Democrats want Kamala Harris, and they could not elect her, so they put Bumbling Joe right there, put him in that spot, and guess what? Oh, well, he's senile. He's lunatic. So we got to invoke the 25th Amendment, or we're going to have to impeach him for this outrage that is going on in Afghanistan. And that's rising up. But the White House, again, like I said, came out and they said, we want our props. We want to get credit for what's happening in Afghanistan. We are evacuating 80,000 Americans, which I didn't know that numbers can sprout up like that. I didn't know they had that many Americans in Afghanistan. But it started off, I think, with like 1,500. Then it went to 3,000. Then it got to the point to where it's like 80,000. Now, that might be counting the Afghanistan people that helped us out there. It might be. I don't know. But the numbers continue to rise, and they're, and they're setting up for Biden to get credit for a lot of this stuff. And I, I gave credit to the, to the media last week. Man, they were doing their job. But now they're going back to, to fluffing up Joe Biden. And they're saying, yes, we should give them props. They're evacuating all the American people. Folks, there's a problem, though. We should have not have never had this mass evacuation. Evacuation. We should have never had, never got to this point where we have to rush to get Americans out of there. Now, they're not planning to extend the, the deadline to get troops out of there. It's still August 31st. And they're saying, well, we've contacted some American people, uh, the leftover Americans, and they don't want to leave. Really? What, the, what American does not want to leave unless he's converted to Islam? But, folks, this is, this is crazy. They, we should stay there until every single American is out. But they're probably, see, it ain't Biden's fault. It's these Americans' fault. These Americans don't want to come out. So if we leave them there, we're sorry. We tried. We told them, hey, this is a bad situation. See, Biden's saying until every American wants to get out, we're going to stay there. But at the same time, he's saying we're going to get out by August 31st. We should be done by August 31st. Folks, the Taliban is already torturing Christians. They're already torturing people that worked with the, with the Americans. Do you honestly think these people are going to be, be merciful to these infidels, as they call it? Ladies and gentlemen of this audience, I, 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 just, I, I just don't see that. Now, today, as I record, this is, uh, is August 29th. We got two days to see what happened. Moving on to the week, and look, I'm going to be honest with you. Hey, the White House wants credit. Hey, let's lay out the credit. Yeah, they're doing a good job taking people out of there, I, I guess you could say. But let's give them props on everything else. Let's talk about the failed uh, withdrawal of Afghanistan. Let's talk about the uh, the people uh, losing Bagram. Let's go ahead and talk about you know them uh, the, the the evacuation being halted by the uh, Afghanian people stopping the tar- uh, on tarmac and Cabal. Let's let's give them the props. They want the props. Hey, let's give them the props. If they want to go ahead, they take the credit. There's no take credit for the good. Take credit for the bad. Oh, I forgot. It's all it's either Trump or the Afghanistan people or the American people that don't want to get out. You see how that works, folks? Hey, let us take credit 
for the evacuation. But everything else that is bad is somebody else's fault. Which we're going to get to in a few seconds. As they were, they were asking for props and the media was fluffing up. Donald, uh, fluffing up uh, Joe Biden. Trying to get him some credit. Trying to get his numbers back up. Because his numbers, I believe, are under 45% right now. I haven't looked at the latest polls. But anyway, so, so we go on there and they're talking about this rescue and how, you know, the Taliban is telling American people um, when Joe Biden had said something like, man, we might stay a little longer. The Taliban's telling them, no, the, the Taliban is dictating our foreign policy, telling our State Department what to do. We don't have backbone and he showed some backbone. We're going to talk about that in a second. But on Thursday, so we wake up to news reports of three bombings in Kabul. Two at the, I think one at the airport, one at a hotel, and they, they, they were spread. They were suicide bombers. Come to find out, it was ISIS that took the, um, took the credit for that. The, the, the terrorist route, the Taliban did not. It killed uh, tons of Afghanistan people, and 13 American soldiers lost their lives at Kabul. Now, prior to this attack, we have an attack with... We haven't had really casualties in Afghanistan. I think it's been like 10 years. Soldiers were being protected. Soldiers were loved over there. Soldiers that were keeping them free. And the Taliban did attack one time during Trump. When Trump originally made the, the plan to withdraw, the Taliban said, yeah, right. We're going to show you about your withdrawal. They went attacked. Didn't kill nobody. Trump said, really? Trump sent a rocket, blew up half their people, and... Guess what happened? The Taliban said, we will listen. And the Tal- and they said, look, don't attack us, Americans. Remember, Trump said it. Don't attack us. If you attack us, you're in trouble. But you have all these people in Kabul trying to get out of there. And these suicide bombers come off. Of course, we were waiting for Biden. Biden took forever to go ahead and talk to the American people. Must have been taking a nap or drink- eating his afternoon ice cream saying it wasn't important to come meet the American people out there. And this shows the hypocrisy on the left and the media. The, the, the media would have crucified Trump if Trump wouldn't have been out there right after the bombings. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that Biden had to go ahead and get information. I understand Biden had to go ahead. But to wait until late in the evening, I, I even put on my Facebook, where is Sleepy Joe? Where is Biden? Where is he at? Come and talk about how we're going to get you. And look, give pro- I'm going to give props to Biden on that. Look, and that's the thing about this show, folks. I'm not going to go ahead and just cut down the president when he does something bad. If he does something good, I will give him credit for it. He said, we're going to go ahead and retaliate. We're going to go ahead and take out these terrorists that did this. Which he did. Friday and Saturday, he said, wherever ISIS was holed up, well, guess what? An unmanned drone went ahead and boom! See, Biden did something good. I'm not going to lie. What we're upset is how we got to this point. That's the whole thing. Now, he talked to Peter Dorsey, and Peter Dorsey scorched him on a question. I wish I had the audio. I didn't. But he was talking about, oh, we should have, you know, if we would have been attacking Assyria, if we would have been attacking this. Then he goes ahead to to this whole segment. It's Biden. It's don't, Biden wants credit for good, but not for bad. When Peter Dorsey asked this question, Biden went ahead, Trump went ahead. And the reason that we could, Peter Dorsey asked about the, the, the casualties and, and how this wasn't, 
And why this didn't happen in Trump's time? And he goes ahead and he says, well, Donald Trump made a plan that if they wouldn't attack the American people, that's why we didn't have no attacks of the Taliban. And see, this is all Trump's fault. All this that's going on is all Trump's fault, folks. So he went ahead and blamed Trump back. See, folks, the White House wants props for this massive evacuation. But as the American people, we can't forget about how we got to this point. How did we get to this point to where we're trying to evacuate thousands upon thousands of Americans, apparently? Because we don't know what the number It might be 100,000 later this afternoon. We don't know what the numbers is going to be. We don't know what's going to rise up out of this. But Biden wants to go ahead and have props. He wants credit for this mass evacuation, the greatest that America's ever seen. Folks, but this is normal of the left. The norm, the, the, the norm of the left is this. They cause riots, they cause crisis, and they're, they're trying to fix their mess-ups. Biden is trying to show the American people, yes, I can take people out of Afghanistan. I can take people out. But the problem is that you, you, you went ahead and started this problem. You, you went ahead and you botched a, 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 a withdrawal. I, like, look, a lot of military people, are, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to military people on Newsmax and Fox News say this. We never, ever... Heard of a withdrawal where we did not take out our people first and our equipment. Those are two things that Biden apparently forgot to check off the checklist. Ladies and gentlemen, this was, if he wants credit, and like I said, I'm going to give him credit. Yes, he is getting people out of there. Yes, he has a retaliating against ISIS for the bombing of killing 13 Marines, but we should have never lost 13 Marines. That's the thing. And I went on a rant last week about our military and how I care about our military and how Biden does not care for the military. People see, see, he gave him a moment of silence, but we should have never got to this point. Ladies and, and if you, if you're, if you're part of the left, you're part of the Democrat party and you're thinking, well, he's doing a good job. I think he's doing, I think he's doing swell. We should have never got to this point. That is the problem. We should have never, ever got to this point to where we have to lose American lives, taking out American citizens. When we had, uh, when we had Bagram Air Base where we could have took out our American citizens and did it with safety. We know, I learned this week that the reason they did it, he didn't talk to his military experts or the people that were supposed to. He talked to his State Department, people sitting behind desks. On a point, like Dr. Fauci, I heard that this week. Dr. Fauci's coming up. You should wear a mask. You should get vaccinated. He's sitting behind a computer reading reports. He's not practicing medicine. He's not talking to the American people. And that's what these State Departments did. Well, we really don't need Bagram Air Base. Let's give that up. I call that a fool. And I will say this. Yes, if Biden resigns or Biden gets impeached or Biden gets involved by the 25th minute, I'll be surprised. But all these military generals that say they know war, they need to turn in their resignation papers. But the bad thing about that is Biden will, Biden will replace them probably with dumber people. When we get back, I'm going to go ahead and have Greg Locke on the line, and we're going to be talking to him about fake family and politics, as he likes to say it. So stay tuned for the next segment. We'll be right back.
For delivering material to a job site, Acadiana uses Hayes Dump Truck Services. Since 2011, Hayes has been moving heaven and earth to job sites all over Acadiana with their top-of-the-line dump trucks. Whether it's a huge landscaping job or a pre-construction site, Hayes has the manpower and equipment to move the materials fast, fast. You call, we haul. Dirt, compost, gravel, topsoil, fill sand, and limestone. Call Hayes right now, 852-8043. Hayes Dump Truck Services, where Jesus is Lord of this company. How you doing, everybody? Welcome back to the second segment of the Cajun Conservative Show. So without further ado, as announced, we have Pastor Greg Locke, pastor of Global Vision Bible Church in Tennessee. He's also the author of two books, This Means War and The Weapons of Our Warfare. He's also a podcast host of the On Point Podcast with Pastor Greg Locke. Pastor Locke, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, my friend. Hope you're well. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problem, no problem. And look, it's an honor to have you, my brother. I've been following you for a few years now, uh, since your video went viral on Facebook and you made all the liberals mad talking about transgenderism <laughs> and that, I, to be honest with you, sir, it, this, this society that we're living in now on that point, I just think it's repeating what Isaiah said when he said they're going to call good evil and evil good. And it's just, it's a mess we're, we're living in right now. It's an unbelievable mess. You know, even Isaiah said truth has fallen into the streets, and that's what's happened. They keep saying follow the science, follow the science with all this coronavirus, but when it comes to, to genders and all that, they definitely don't follow the science. That's the way around that fact. Yeah, I remember watching a, a movie a while back. Um, I think it was called The Deputy on Fox Network, and I like Western-type shows and all that, you know, bring me back some good John Wayne. I'm, I'm only 28 years old, but I know who John Wayne is. There you I go. a lot of people, but... Uh, they were watching and there was like this doctor talking to this lady and she was like, Oh, I don't know what. And they're like, Oh, there's more than two genders. And I'm like, there's no science whatsoever that shows that. <laughs> and it's just propaganda. So. Oh, it's a hundred percent propaganda. They know exactly what they're doing. Everybody says, well, you know, Jesus never spoke about that issues. Absolutely. He did. In Matthew chapter 18, he said in the beginning, they were created male and female. And he said, that's how it was. And so Jesus had a lot to say about the whole issue. The Bible does. The problem is preachers won't say anything about it. You know, we don't have a political problem. We have a pulpit problem. We have a cowardly pastor problem. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say judgment begins at the White House. But I can show you repeatedly where it says judgment must begin at God's house. So Christians are going to have to start speaking about the uncomfortable issues. And and that's the thing, Pastor Locke. You know, I'm in youth ministry, and... Starting to, and I've studied the Bible all my life. I, I have brothers just searching to where I go ahead and I look at biblical issues. We talk about uh, Bible prophecy. We talk about pastors that don't preach the gospel, and this not small time pastors, huge pastors that oh, have yeah. these big churches that that want to tickle your ear. And people get mad at me, like, why you talk about that? Well, it needs to be discussed because it's not being discussed in the pulpit that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon, and we need to be ready. Yeah, you know, I hear all the time, you know, Pastor Locke, if you'd preach more like Jesus, people would love you more. If I preach more like Jesus, no show would have me on and nobody would come to the church because Jesus was not just some little meek and mild backwoods baby preacher. Jesus was a man's man of a preacher. And I have to remind people all the time, they did not crucify Jesus because of what he did. They killed him because of what he said. Never a man spake like this man spake, the Bible says. And so people need to understand, when Jesus walked into a room, he commanded authority. 
And you talk about a full-grown man with authority. He walked into a temple, made a whip, and ran out grown men. And if you read Matthew chapter 23, it is the most fall-down-the-steps, scathing sermon on repentance. I mean, name-calling the whole deal. And so all this nonsense, we'll preach like Jesus and people would love you. No, you preach like Jesus and people will hate you just like they hated him. And and is is this not the world that's going to hate you? Is the church? I tell a lot of people, yeah. Jesus was crucified not by the Romans. The Romans knew who he was, but they didn't really care as much. It was the religious leaders that forced the Romans to kill him. Absolutely, one hundred percent, it was. You know, and it was the the political things that he said and the religious things that he said because he spared no punches when it came to the Pharisees. You know, you draw near to me with your mouths, but your hearts are far from me. And so, to the church going crowd, he had a lot to say about hypocrisy. So what I'm finding, especially on platforms like, you know, like Twitter and Facebook and things like that, you know, we get a lot of atheists that hate us. We get, you know, Black Lives Matter and Antifa and people that come to our church and protest my events and things like that. But the most vitriolic pushback we get is from supposed Christians, from people that say, oh, soften your stance. You can't say those kind of things. That's not loving. The Bible says thou shalt not judge. No, the Bible doesn't tell me not to judge. It tells me how I judge when I judge. And then people say, well, only God can judge me. And I remind them, you're exactly right, and you better be scared to death of that fact that he's going to. Yeah, because God has a record of everything you do. It's not uh, <laughs> yeah. just, why well, you know, I stole a little pencil here. You know, even the very thoughts we're going to have to answer to at the white throne judgment. And, yeah. and this that's what a lot of people like about this podcast, Pastor Locke, is that we we do talk political. Because, I'm look, all last episode, I went ahead and I bashed Biden for how his – stance are in Afghanistan and when he's doing in Afghanistan and look reports that I'm seeing right now showing that he he's going to go ahead and uh, not extend the August 31st deadline is because the Taliban told him no and I just I thought in this country we don't bow down to terrorists but on that note, I went ahead and ended my show last week and said, look, I don't trust Donald Trump. I don't trust the Republicans. I don't trust Joe Biden. I don't trust the Democrats. I trust Jesus because mm. even Republicans fail us. Um, you know, there were some things I disagreed with Donald Trump. Did I like him out sure. overall as a president? Yes, of course. But I don't put my full faith and trust into Don, uh, Donald Trump because Donald Trump's a man. He's going to fail us. But Jesus Christ has never failed no one. And that's who I put my faith in. That's who I put my trust in. In. And look, they can go ahead and kill this body, but my soul is going to the pearly gates and meet my Lord and Savior. He's waiting for me there, and this is not waiting for me. One day he's coming back for us. Oh, absolutely. You know, the middle verse of the whole Bible, Psalm 118, verse 8, it's better to put trust in the Lord than confidence in men. And not only is that the middle verse, that's the whole theme of the whole Bible, because men will fail you. Donald Trump puts his socks on one foot at a time like everybody else. And so people ask me all the time, well, you're a pastor and you're preaching at all these large political rallies. What do you preach about? The same thing I preach about in church. I preach about Jesus because I'm not looking for Trump to save America. I'm looking for Jesus to save Americans. And when we save Americans, we will salvage the nation. So as far as I'm concerned, I have zero, and I mean zero, loyalty to any party because Republican, Democrat, two heads of the same snake as far as I'm concerned. There's just as much nonsense in the Republican Party as there is the Democrat Party. And so I'm a biblicist. I believe what the Bible says. And although I don't know when Jesus is coming, I can— I can look at the seasons, I can test the spirits, and I can know that we're in the last days, and it's dangerous, and it's time that the churches stand up and push back and say enough is enough. Like you said, Jesus is coming. He's not a way to heaven. He's the one and only way to heaven, and we got to prepare people because the kingdom is on the way, and we better be ready when it gets here. 
Yep, and and that you know that that goes into a lot of people. They talk, you know, yeah. the church. I, I noticed that. I know about your church, Pastor Log, and our church. We're pretty united here in uh, in the the Bro Bridge, Louisiana. And my dad's a pastor in St. Martinville, Louisiana. So I'd say we don't have counties here. We have parishes, and one, my, the church I attend is on one side of the parish, and my dad's church is on the other side. And I said that look, we we're coming full force. You can't hide. Um, yeah, but. You know, there's a lot of Christians today that are divided, just not divided spiritually. They're divided politically. Right, and, exactly. And, and that's I think that's a problem with our church services today. And I'm working on some teachings right now where the the church and church folk, one of my friends told me church folks are strange folks, and I agree with him. Um, they over little things in the not even not even salvational things, you know, Pastor Lot, we we if we talk long enough, we probably can find something we disagree on biblically and possibly uh, politically but we have the foundation that jesus christ is king and he's lord and he's our savior and we don't have no doctrinal differences but you know oh well he reads a, a certain bible where this is only supposed to be the bible that we read and mm. that is dividing our churches that is dividing our nation because it happens politically too you have christians that say well Abortion is wrong, except in this circumstance. And like me, I say, no, all abortion is wrong. It's sin. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. And look, if, if you had an abortion, ask God to forgive you, and he will forgive you. But do you think that that's why this nation's failing as well? It's just not because the nation's divided, but the church is divided in all kind of areas? Oh, absolutely. And I think the reason we are at such a political divide in America is because we do have such a denominational divide. You know, there's no denominations in the Bible. Denominations are built on personality. We get that. So at the end of the day, we have all of these different people that are divided and divisive, like you said, about nonsensical issues, about things that don't even matter. I mean, we need to agree, obviously, that Jesus, you know, is the gospel personified. He's the only way to heaven, you know, the blood atonement. We agree on all of that, but there's some things we're just not going to agree on. At the end of the day, and that doesn't make us enemy, it makes us human. <laughs> and, and nobody wants to come to the table and talk. And that's one of the things about the left that's horrible. You know, I don't want to silence them. They want to silence us. I, I still want to give them an opportunity to speak, the freedom of speech. But they want to take away our platforms and conservatively censor us. And even when I disagree with them, I'm like, look, can we not come together and just talk? And the answer for them is no. They don't want to talk. They don't want to debate. They want to shut you down and shut you out. And that's it. And so I, I think that problem has crept its way into the church. And we know what God thinks about division in the church. Matter of fact, the first time division ever happened in the church was in Acts chapter 5, and God killed a couple over it. <laughs> yeah, you're right on that. But And that's the thing, Pastor Locke, you know, because that—and I'm not like that. I don't, I'm not going to tell you to stop uh, speaking about— um, you know, the left and politics, I think we should be brought into church in a correct way. But all these pre, all these Christians and preachers that are saying, look, don't talk about about us. Talk about love, joy, peace. You know, I think Jesus talked more about hell than anything in the Bible. And that that's the problem. They 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 want to have they want to they want to entertain people and give them something to feel good about. But we're not, we're not we aren't as called ministers. We're not supposed to be uh, motivational speakers. We're supposed to be watchmen of the watchtower. Absolutely. And you're right. We have lulled people to sleep with an entertainment driven society. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching under our tent here at the church. We're just growing so fast. And I mean, God's just been so amazing. We've baptized 1500 people in the last year. It's just, it's amazing. But I told our folks, look, in the Bible, speaking of amazing, when the day of Pentecost came, the Bible says they were amazed. It doesn't say they were amused. And the problem with a lot of these mega churches and all of these, you know, self-help meetings and come to this pastor's conference and, and know how to do the next thing to reach the culture and wear your skinny jeans and all that. 
they're teaching us how to amuse people. People do not need amusement when they go to church. They need amazement. And the only thing that amazes them is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the authority of God's Word, and the truth of the gospel. And that's what we got to bring it back to. we got to get away from all this stuff. Look, we got screens and all that. I call it being high-tech redneck. <laughs> but we have got to a place where the stage has to be just right and everything has to be at a proper time and you got to hit the, the songs on this note and you got to have lights and lasers and a fog machine. Here's what we found out. We found out we can put up a tent that seats 3,000 people and people will show up in the dead heat of summer because they're hungry for Jesus. That's it. And we can take away all the fluff and all the puff and give people the truth of the Bible and they show up because this generation is starving for truth, not more entertainment. Yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, Pastor Luck, I believe the entertainment is overtaken and it is it is ruining our society because, like you said, everybody got to be entertained. Look, John Wesley and Charles Spurgeon and all of them, they didn't have – they didn't have air conditioned buildings. They didn't have stage lights. They didn't even have microphones. They stood out on a field and proclaimed the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ. And it was effective. It led to a lot of great awakenings in America. Yeah, turn the world upside down. If there was no George Whitfield going up and down the 13 colonies for years seeing revival, there would be no 1776. The Constitution, so much in part, is based off of the gospel yep. that that man of God preached. And so then you have people like, you know, the Black Robe Regiment in the d- days of the American Revolution. <clears throat> People don't realize it wasn't the soldiers that saved the Republic. It was the pastors that led their men into battle that saved the Republic. And so the church needs to quit all this nonsense. Oh, we're going to lose our 501c3 separation of church and state. No such thing. Okay, it's time the pulpits get engaged and we stand up and speak about the issues that God told us we should clearly and passionately speak about. The reason the pews are silent is because the shepherds are silent. And it's time for the shepherds to get involved and lead their people in the right way so we can rescue this nation, rescue the church, and rescue people from hell. Amen. Amen. 100% agree. I want to go ahead and uh, ask you some questions along the line of your tent. Um, I seen a couple of weeks ago that y'all had purchased some new uh, property. I follow you on Facebook and I follow you, I believe, on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I look at all your stuff for information when I'm doing podcast prep. And uh, you've been a blessing to me. I want to let you know that for sure. Um, the the tent I heard y'all moved into a new tent and y'all have put up a sign up there where right wing watch and CNN have attacked you for because you put a sign there saying that you do not want mass people there. Um, and on, on that note, because CNN has actually to go on there, they backed off of an interview that you were supposed to have with them, but uh, I guess Chris Cuomo got scared because he didn't want to be, you know, showing up on his own show, but. <laughs> So, um, so how is this working out with your mask, yep. what, your, your stance on it? And cause look, I, I, I tell people all the time on this program, I don't, I don't tell people not to wear masks. You right. can wear it if you want. You're a free, you're in a free nation. You can, you can do what you want. Me personally, I'm not doing it. Uh, the day yeah. was the first time that I wore a mask into a hospital because they asked me to. I didn't want to be disrespectful, but right yeah. when, right when I got out of there, it came off and I, I never, I don't wear a mask. Now, like I tell people, your convictions, I wear a mask if it's respecting some someone like that. But there's a lot of people out there that say, well, he shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't uh, oppose people like that. If they want to go to church, he's stopping them from doing the gospel. What is your response to people like that that say, hey, he shouldn't put up a sign like that? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of context that goes with why we put up the sign that CNN and the rest of that crowd and Chris Cuomo, Mr. Coward, doesn't want to talk about, right? 
it's not that we're running people off. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Here's a couple of things. Number one, I believe in medical freedom. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't force me to. If you want to get a vaccine, enjoy yourself, but do not governmentally overreach me and make me have to take one, right? Every bucket sits on its own bottom. Right. And so if people want to wear them, they can wear them all they want to. But here's my deal. We're a place of faith. We're a place of healing. We're a place of wholeness. And I do not want to foster an atmosphere of further fear. So here's why it happens. We have all these people come, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people from all over the world come on a regular basis. And we've never had an issue with masks whatsoever. Here's where the statement came up in a message that they took out of context. I said, here's this new Delta variant. And I'm like, look, you guys have stuck with me this long, and we've not worn any masks. Nobody's got sick. Nobody's died. We have been great for 18 months. And I said, and I quote, when this new Delta variant, which I call nonsense, when it comes around, I said, it's just politics covering up for a stolen election. I said, so when they come with round two, I said, don't start showing up with a bunch of masks. You've made it this long. Why would you go into fear now? And so the purpose was to say, look, we're going to continue in faith. We're not going to go back into fear. We've come out of that. And so I put up a sign to remind people, look, this is a mask-free campus. We kindly ask you to remove them, or you can park outside the tent and worship in your car. The biggest reason we put up the sign was not to kick people out, because nobody's been wearing a mask in our church for months, for 18 months. The only people that wear them are the ones that are under doctor's care, and I know who they are because I'm their shepherd. I'm their pastor. I right. see them every week. I've held their hands through the whole thing. They can wear them, and they're fine. If somebody is a visitor and they say, hey, you know, I, I got an elderly parent. You know, can I come in? Absolutely. They think we're just throwing people out. Here's the reason the sign went up, and here's the people that we throw out. The only people that wear masks at our church are the protesters that show up wearing masks because they hate the fact that we don't like masks. That's the only people that we kick right. out. They show up to cause trouble. It's not like we're kicking out visitors, but nobody's coming here wearing a mask. People are coming here because it's mask-free, if that makes sense, because I'm saying something against the mandate. And so people have this idea we're just we're kicking sinners out of church. No, we're kicking protesters out of church so we have more room for sinners. And normally the protesters ain't going there for the message regardless. It is going there to disrupt the service. And as a pastor and as a shepherd of your flock, you you really can't disturb. The only one that can disrupt the service is the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they're showing up with cameras in their hands just trying to make a point and get a Facebook video and to see if they can get me riled up. That's it. That's the reason we put up the sign. And there's been a whole lot more support for that sign than there has been criticism for that sign. I hear you. I hear you. Now, now, how's everything in uh, Tennessee? I, I didn't y'all have a flood a while, like a couple of days ago, or how does that it, did that affect yeah, your area? You know, our area had what they call the hundred year flood back in 2010, and it was horrible. But now there's like another hundred year flood that's on another part of Tennessee. It's about an hour, hour and a half from here. We didn't get it, but some of our friends and some of my local church, you know, friends and things like that did. And it, it's really, really bad. And it's it's destroyed a lot of area out that way. So yeah, definitely. Have folks continue to pray for them. We've had several people drown. There was actually a, a set of twins that were lost the other day, and it was just just a horrible situation. It's about an hour from us. We've been trying to send some aid and help out as much as we can for sure. Well, we'll be keeping them in our prayers, my brother. A couple of more questions if you have time. Um, yep, go ahead. So, so I, you know, I, I'm part of social media. I have Facebook. I have YouTube. I have, you know, Twitter. I'm doing this podcast. I know I'm I'm – I'm subject for Target, but Pastor Log, you have opened up the the spectrum for uh, YouTube and Facebook 
and all this stuff. How is it, you know, going viral and being known by a lot of people? Uh, you know, like I said, I'm part of that, but I, I'm small potatoes uh, here in the South. You know, uh, I could say a small gator in a big uh, swamp. And, <laughs> you know, how how has life changed for you since you made that video on Facebook? And, you know, how, how did that, you know, how did that change your life and your ministry? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize uh, 2015 is when everything really took off. A lot of people attribute it to the Target video, the transgender video, and things like that. We actually had almost a million. I had like 960,000 followers on Facebook when I did the Target video. And so it just kind of put us over the mark. The Target video is what brought Fox News and CNN kind of the first time around, you know, around the bases of the field, as it were. But in 2015 is when it all started. I had been doing like daily or every other day, a few times a week. I was just doing simple little videos for our church. I'd be like, hey, guys, Pastor Greg Locke here. And I just do a little five minute devotion. And man, if I got like, I don't know, three or 4,000 views in a week, I thought I was, you know, what TV Jakes or something. I didn't, you know, I mean, I was like, wow, man, this is unbelievable. And so in 2015, when the Supreme Court made the decision, you know, for same sex marriage, I did a video uh, that was clickbait. And I didn't even know what clickbait was then, but I did a video with the title, I'm coming out of the closet. And that thing went bonkers, <laughs> super viral, right? And so it grew our page from about 5,000 people to about 50,000 people. Then they gave me a blue check mark. And so then, you know, I got in the fight with Planned Parenthood and then the whole Target thing. And then since then, you know, we've done a number of, of videos, that have, you know, 30, 40, 50 million views. And so that just began to build it and build it and build it. And so from there, Twitter grew and then my other Facebook page grew and the podcast page and, and then YouTube, and which at this point, YouTube is was kind of our small potatoes side, as you would say. And so we've been kind of growing that and then, TikTok of all things and Instagram, it all just began to grow, you know, exponentially the last few years. And so a lot did change uh, about our church simply for the fact that I was not looking for internet fame or stardom or anything like that, but people started showing up. The first round of growth we had was what I call Greg growth. It was bad growth. People were showing up just to see me. Right. Now we have God growth, which is beautiful growth because people are coming because of the message, not necessarily because I'm propagating it. They just appreciate the fact that I'm a voice, kind of a, a John the Baptist figure that's willing to say something in the wilderness. And so it definitely has grown our church. Uh, it is difficult uh, at this point, and not just because of social media, but because now for us with you know two best-selling books and all that, social media has turned into fake news media because now we're in all these outlets all the time. And so I get a lot of facial recognition from the haters. And so now we're kind of in that balance where I really can't go anywhere without somebody saying <laughs> something you know, negatively, adversely, or in a good way. And so the people that's affected uh, more than me, because I can handle it, you know, I just, it just rolls off my back. I don't pay attention. It's affected my kids early on. But now they're just like rock solid. At first they were like, yeah, you know, all these people, we can't go anywhere. We can't even do a family vacation. We can't go to the gas station. We can't even go to the restaurant, you know, and it kind of frustrated them. And then they began to grow into it. And then when they started losing friends, I don't think people understand that side of, of the ministry. They started losing good friends because their parents wouldn't let them hang out with my kids because I'm their dad. Right. And so my kids are like, wow, this is legit. And so they began to see cancel culture firsthand. And it emboldened them in their faith, and it endeared them uh, to me. And so it's just been it's been beautiful to watch my kids have this metamorphosis. And so now for them, it's just kind of par for the course. 
And I have a son and a daughter both that can preach the paint off the wall. They're unbelievable. <laughs> They're probably going to be internet sensations a thousand times more than me. And then my wife is such a beautiful prayer warrior and just a communicator. And so she's always on the platform with me. And so our whole family just kind of walks into this now. And it's beautiful. The great thing about our church, I, I was talking on another interview earlier today. I said, you know, we are the most polarizing church in town. That can be good or bad. What I mean by that is this. Nobody visits our church and then drives away wondering what they thought about it. You either love us first service or you hate us first service. There is no middle ground. There's no gray area when it comes to Greg Locke and Global Vision. Nobody says, well, you know, I got to go there for six weeks to see what they're about. Nope. When you drive away, you either know you're coming back or know you are never going to look at this place again. You know if you're a woke Christian or you're not a woke Christian yet. Yep. You know the ones that are woke and the ones that are awakened. The ones yes. that are woke don't come back. The ones that are awakened love it. And that, that even brings out a good point. You know, we always hear that about woke culture and cancel culture. But you like, I like that phrase, awaken. If you're a part of the awakening crew, that, that yep. is a good that is a Amen. good way to put it. Um, <laughs> on one last thought, my brother, um, I know you've been hearing everything about Afghanistan and all the stuff that's going on. Um, I have a good friend of mine that uh, that does podcasting and YouTubing. He called me the other day and texted me. He said, "Bro, you just went off." And I was talking about the 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 failures of our president Joe Biden um, and his you know his treatment of the U.S. Army and veterans. Mm. And, and I just you know I went off because I hate seeing and I know you have an opinion on this of people that, you know, in this country that say we hate our flag, we go ahead and, you know, uh, America is bad, is racist, is homophobe, it's it's evil, but you have people in the Middle East climbing on planes, trying yeah. to get out of an area where they don't want tyranny and a, a, a wicked religion like uh, Islam mm-hmm. to, to overrule them. What do you, you know, what is your thoughts on this whole Afghanistan thing, first off, but what is your thoughts on this, this this these people that say, oh, we hate our flag and we're bad, but when you see things like this, what is your response to them and what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, the, the pullout in Afghanistan was a debacle. There's no doubt about that. It will continue to be a debacle, and it will be, I am convinced, the demise of Joe Biden. That's why the Democrats aren't doing anything to stop it, because they're going to be able to use this as a 25th Amendment situation, pull him out of there, and basically say, this old senile man doesn't know what he's doing. And so he's playing right into the hand. We've known from the word go, because I call him fraudulent Biden, but we know from the word go that Biden's been a puppet the whole time. He's been a puppet for the Communist Chinese Party the whole time. And so they're doing everything they can to make him look like a public idiot, which he's looking like that. And uh, Kamala's just sitting back kind of licking her chops because she knows what comes next. Now, I'm not fully convinced that she's ever going to be the president of the United States. But at the end of the day, I do believe the left is playing their ace in the hole. And I think this is going to help. They're going to let Americans and Afghanistan people die horrible, tragic deaths so they can prove a point and they can continue to foster wicked nonsense in the White House. So the fact that people are so disrespectful to this nation, and like you say, we do have people jumping off of jumbo jets trying to fly out of the country, it's disgusting that we have such a generation of people that don't understand what they have. Nobody's trying to leave us and go everywhere else. Everybody's trying to leave everywhere else and come to us because we're the last bastion of capitalism. We're the last bastion of freedom, if you will. And so, for lack of better terminology, that's what we are. We're freedom, we're capitalism. And so what happens is, when we fall, the world has no one to look to. 
And China knows that. And China wants us to fall. And so here's what I liken it to. You remember when the children of Israel finally made it into the promised land after 40 years? The Bible says that when they got there, all of the older generation died off and only the younger generation moved in. But when they got there, they didn't appreciate it. When they got there, they disrespected the promised land and they turned their back on God and set up Baal worship. And we look at that and we think, how can that happen? I'll tell you why. Because the generation that fought to get in the promised land didn't go to the promised land. The people that never fought a battle a day in their life are the ones that inherited it, and they disrespected something that they never had to stand up for. And that's what's happened to America. We've turned the nation over to disrespectful people that have never fought one battle one day in their life. And this cancel culture has them so snowflakey that they got to sit around in their safe space and hide behind a computer. So when somebody rebukes them on Facebook, they recoil and they can't handle it. And so we have a generation that has inherited the promised land, and they never fought any of the battles to get here, and that's why they're so baby-like, and that's why they're so disrespectful. And it, now on that point, Brother Locke, because you talk about generations that, that, that forget the promise and have that have not fought for it, and I know we talked about it earlier, but I want to reiterate that because your platform and my platform are similar. Our main goal is getting the gospel out. What is mm. the only hope for America to turn around and for that, that, that weak need generation to become good, strong warriors to free this nation. Absolutely. Well, the only hope, of course, we would agree, is Jesus Christ. The only hope for the church is if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God gave us the recipe. He gave us the prescription for the next awakening. Because he said, when you do that, when you humble yourself as a nation and you pray and you seek God's face and you're not so preoccupied and you repent, of the nonsense that we have allowed in the streets and in the schools, in our homes, in Hollywood and everywhere else. We repent of that. God said, look, I will hear you. I will forgive you and I will heal your land. And so I don't know that I'm praying for a third great awakening. I think we're going to be a part of the greatest awakening that has ever hit the entirety of the world. And I believe God is not done with America. I think one day America will fall. There is no doubt. I believe prophetically America will fall, but I do not believe it's going to fall now because I believe there's too much revival baked into the soil of this nation. And I know the only nation God has a special covenant with is is the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. But there's something about the fact that America has so loved Israel and we've been such an alliance and friends of Israel that there's something about this nation that God has used to propagate the gospel around the world. And so I'm fully convinced when the church gets right, this nation's going to turn around. But it's going to take men of God in pulpits to stand up and say enough is enough. Amen. My brother, if you want to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and your ministry and your political thoughts uh, and just show people where they – because there might be some people out there. It's hard to believe in the conservative world, but it probably is some people that have not heard of you. Tell them where they can find you and where they can find your books. Yep, Absolutely. If you uh, Google or go just Pastor Greg Locke, there'll be a lot of nonsensical things that pop up, but you'll also see a lot of the opportunities where you can find us. Most people follow follow us through Facebook. We have On Point with Pastor Greg Locke as well as just Pastor Greg Locke. It has a blue check mark. Or if you want to do like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, any of those things, it's just at Pastor Locke, L-O-C-K-E. We also have a verified account on things like Telegram. We're, we're kind of all over the place. Pastor Greg Locke also on YouTube. Or if you want to find all of them, the one-stop shop is PastorLock.com. PastorLock.com. Both books are there. 
Uh, we have a third book coming out September the 15th on understanding and unlocking your spiritual gifts. And so just a, a lot of things. God has a lot of things in the hopper right now that he's letting us do. And we're just we're honored to be a part of it. And I, I really appreciate you having me on this show today. Oh, no problem. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, and we kind of answered a little bit without even asking. What do you get when you get a redneck and a Cajun together? So. You know, next time you're in Louisiana, I offer this to all my podcast friends that they come down. Cause I have a lot of people from all over. Pastor Lock, if you ever in the Louisiana area, give me a call. I'll go ahead and I'll show you some real good Cajun cooking. Not what they serve in New Orleans, in Acadiana, in Lafayette, Louisiana. We're going to give you some good cooking. Oh, I look forward to that, my friend. <laughs> all right, Pastor Greg Lock, thank you again for coming on, man. Until next time, hopefully, if not on earth, on heaven, we'll see you then. Amen. God bless you. You too. That was Pastor Greg Glock from Global Vision Bible Church. Also Facebook, viral pastor, um, great man, great ministry out there. Go ahead and check him out. We'll be right back with the third and final segment of the Cajun Conservative Show. How you doing, everyone? Isaac here, and I'm here to tell you about the Scott Ford Show on YouTube. I know Scott personally. He's a true blue, red-hot conservative. Talking about current world events, but just not telling you about the world events. He's giving you a God on his opinion of what's going on. So today, go ahead and check out the Scott Ford Show on YouTube. Since I've told you, next time I see you, I'm going to ask you, did you watch the Scott Ford Show? If you say yes, I'm going to give you a thumbs up with a big smile. If not, I'm going to look at you weird and say, why are you not watching the Scott Ford Show? So go check out the Scott Ford Show today on YouTube. You will not be disappointed. How you doing, everybody? Welcome back to the Cajun Conservative Show. I want to thank Pastor Greg Locke again for being with us here this week. Um, like I said, great man, great mission, great vision. And, you know, a lot of people might ask, well, Isaac, don't you uh, disagree with him on this or that or whatever? Possibly, you know, if we stand and, you know, we talked about it in that segment where, you know, you, you, if you stay with somebody longer, you probably can find something to disagree with. But at the same time, we're brothers in the Lord. And, you know, most of that segment was not us talking about politics. We were talking about the state of the church. And that's what's neat about the Cajun conservative, guys. It's not, I'm not, I'm not just going to say, well, we're going to talk strictly politics. No, I want to talk about the gospel. That is my main goal. You know, if you listen to this podcast long enough that you're going to know that my faith is very important to me. And I love talking about the gospel, and I like how this that interview went, how this interview went with Pastor Greg Lott, because, you know, in my mind, you're thinking this is a polit- uh, this is a preacher that went viral because of his views on transgenderism and his views on politics. But Pastor Greg Lott probably would know that our main mission is not to go ahead and just focus all on politics. It's about winning the loss. We use politics to reach the loss. That is a good tool. But our main focus is to win the loss. And look, we can if we could go ahead and let people know about Jesus through these platforms, great. And that that's the point of it. That's the point of what we need. We need to go ahead and trust Jesus through this time of trouble, especially now with this uh, Afghanistan issue that I've talked about in the first segment. 
All right. So I want to go ahead and switch gears a little bit. And, you know, I'm tired of seeing leftist Democrats and, you know, socialistic-minded people use sports for their advantages. And this week, I'm going to go ahead and use the popular sport that has caused more controversy in the, the conservative community than possibly ever. I'm not talking about the NBA and LeBron James. I'm talking about the NFL. And I, I had it. I was going to talk about this last week, and I'm glad that it shifted this week. It, it proved a point to me in this opinion piece that I have. So last week, or the week before last, we were, we were told, I think it was Wednesday of uh, last week's show, whatnot, that Tim Tebow was cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Watch some of the highlights of Tim Tebow, and I'm, I love Tim Tebow to death. Um, I, wish I, could, I wish I could get him on Brothers Just Searching Artist Podcast. Maybe one day, who knows? But uh, Tim Tebow really didn't play well at tight end. It was really bad, folks. If you go look on YouTube, the highlights of the snaps that Tim Tebow played, it wasn't his greatest performance. Now, we know from time back that Tim Tebow originally started out as a quarterback. If you look at his uh, college um, his college, uh, his college, career, one of the greatest. Two national championships, the Heisman Trophy, you know, uh, host record still at the, uh, the, the University of Florida. Was great, but went in the NFL and saw, uh, got drafted by the Broncos under Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels got fired. They put John Fox there, and John Elway took over the team, and that's when Tim Tebow's career started plummeting. The second year of his contract, he did uh, he led a one in fourteen that was losing, and I, I heard uh, analysis. Um, I, heard, I think it was a uh, Colin uh, Colin from the Herd uh, show on Fox News say. Tim Tebow, the only reason he did good that year was because of the defense and the special teams. And I I wish I could debate Colin from the herd. I really wish I could because I would ask him, especially on Tim Tebow, sir, if that was the case, um, was it the defense that won that game against the Steelers in that wild card game? It went into overtime, and Tim Tebow, I think on the second play of the overtime, threw a beautiful pass to Demetrius Thomas, and guess what? Boom! They They went to play... Uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. I can't remember the year or whatnot, but through that year, that team was one and four. Okay, if the defense and the special teams was holding them, they should have been four and one, not one and four. But Tebow got there, and te- that's when the term Tebow magic happened, or Tebow, uh, te- uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, um, when he was praying with the knee, uh, Tebowing or whatever they called it. That's when that phrase happened. So Tim Tebow, Got a shot. Now, I think Tim Tebow, if he would have had a good coach, he probably would have had a chance. And now, look, that's something else. And look, I, I saw this, and I was like, Colin, you, you crazy. Colin's like, well, Americans don't want the truth today. Americans don't want the facts. They, they listen to one of their networks or the other network, and he, and he even used COVID. Oh, the, virus, the, the COVID is just the flu. That ain't true. He cut down conservatives, folks. That's how he was, he was doing. Now, I don't know, Colin. Personally, if Colin wants to reach out to me and talk to me, if he hears this podcast, the Cajun Conservative Five at gmail.com. Get you, get you, get your uh, team to come talk to me. I'll, I'll talk to you about Tebow. But Tebow, 
Tebow in his career. He went to the Jets. Rex Ryan treated him bad. He went to uh, the Patriots where you had Tim Tebow, uh, where you had um, Tom Brady. You know he wouldn't get a job. He went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and he spent a preseason there. Carson Wentz was the QB at the time, and Tim Tebow just stopped. Tim Tebow went ahead and played baseball. He turned down a big contract to go play with the Jacksonville Jaguars and his old coach, Urban Marr. And before anybody say this, because if he was privileged, the only privilege he had, he knew the head coach. I don't know if he called Urban Marr. I don't know if Urban Marr called him, but Urban Marr gave him a shot. Like everyone should have if, if the opportunity came. Folks, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, I have a great show, the Cajun Conservative Show, but if Fox News calls me and asks me to do a show, I'm, the, I'm happy with the Cajun Conservative. This podcast is going to go on regardless. Don't get me wrong. But if, if I get an opportunity like to go to Fox News, is that because I'm, you know, or Newsmax or something like that? It's not because I'm white. It's because they, they hear the content and they, they like what they hear. Urban Meyer probably saw some. I don't know. But when Tim Tebow got signed, and like I said, I'm going a couple of months because I, I also talked about this in a, uh, an earlier podcast about Tim Tebow and his white privilege, as they say. Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, um, Colin from the Herd, all these men, all these news, uh, all these sports analysts came on and said, Tim Tebow should not be with the Jacksonville Jaguars, not even as a tight end, which it goes back because when he was a quarterback, well, he should try as tight end. He should try as a running back. Now he comes to do it. Oh, he's, uh, I can't believe he's doing that. He's taking a spot from a black man, and that's, some of them have quoted that. He's taking an opportunity away from possibly a black man from trying out. There was one sports analyst, I can't remember his name, said that. He said, no, he said, nine out of ten, if they didn't call you, they, they didn't want you to begin with. But anyhow, but Tebow caused a big controversy because they, they were saying the only reason he got there was white privilege. You see, folks, that's what I'm trying to say. The NFL and uh, well, not the NFL, but the left, possibly the NFL. I don't know. But anyway, leftists like to use sports to their advantage, to use circumstances like Tim Tebow. Oh, white privilege. He got that position because he's white. Like I said, I, I honestly thought, well, the only reason he got it was because of Urban Meyer. I didn't think Tim Tebow would ever be back in the NFL. After this stint, I don't know if Tim Tebow is going to be back in the NFL. We really don't know. But anyway, so so he goes through preseason. He goes ahead and he gets they filming him and he's showing Urban Meyer saying he's seeing promise and see and they, they kept on saying, well, the only reason he like uh, it was Shannon Sharp. He's going to stay in Jacksonville. He could play the most horrible game, but Urban Meyer is going to find a way to keep him in Jacksonville. Well, after the first Jacksonville game, I think it was against the Browns. <laughs> It, 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 they they couldn't keep him, and I understand Urban Meyer's um, position. Why? But after he was released, again, this subject of white privilege came up about how Tim Tebow only got this position because of white privilege. The only reason he got this position was because of his skin tone. You will not see a black athlete ever get this opportunity. And I don't remember the young guy's name, but I remember, I think it was the 2020 season of the New Orleans Saints. And it was during COVID, would not. And all the Broncos quarterbacks, I think it was Joe Flacco and a few other ones that were there, all got sick. From the first to the third string quarter. Now, they weren't sick. They just went around somebody with COVID and they, COVID protocol. Oh, you got, you got to be, you got to be quarantined. So all these quarterbacks got sick or was out on quarantine. 
And they have to play the game. They didn't want to forfeit because of the quarterback. So what they did was they went ahead and found a quarterback that was selling insurance. He was still a part of the free agent market. He got the phone call to go play with the Broncos that one week. I think they signed him for a one-game contract. It was, it was something like that. And this man had an opportunity of a lifetime, sitting behind a desk doing insurance or whatever he was doing, had the opportunity to go and show the world, I can play quarterback. Did he do it well? No. That was one of the most easy Saints wins of all time, in my humble opinion. But the new, but this this guy, and look, this is going to be one of three examples, folks. You're gonna you're gonna see what I'm coming through, where we can use the sports world at, to prove that critical race theory and white privilege does not exist. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, this guy had a had a chance and he botched it. He didn't he didn't do well. But he had that opportunity. So when somebody comes and tells me Tim Tebow is only got that opportunity because he's white, no, that's luck. Or you know somebody. Folks, Tim Tebow worked very hard in the NFL. Unfortunately, they didn't give him the opportunity. That's one thing, like I said, Colin from the Herd Show on Fox Sports. Oh, you know, I could tell you a lot about I was right about Tim Tebow all the time. No, you were not. No, you were not. You think because you talk about sports all the time? Colin never played sports. Uh, Not that I'm aware of. I don't think he ever played football. I don't think he ever did that. I'd rather listen from like somebody from Shannon Sharp. I don't look, don't get me wrong. I disagree a lot with Shannon Sharp's politically, but football and mint and, and sports. Hey, I can, I can relate to the, uh, to Shannon Sharp. I don't like Shannon Sharp's political view. And, 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 and you, you have Skip Bayless. See, a lot of people get mad at Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless never played football. He covered it, but he acts like he knows everything about it until you put on them pads, folks. You really don't know the sport that well. I'm, I'm just being honest. Look, I'm a prime example. Look, I never played professionally. I know I'm getting, I got to get to my point on critical race theory, but I used to play softball. Now, I never played it professionally. I just played it recreationally. I, I had fun with it. I used to play, be on a league on Friday nights. And I used to not like watching baseball. But when I got on the field and I started learning about base running and started learning about methods of, of you know, if it pops up and this is out and all the, all the, all the story. And when I became an umpire for that sport, that was even that I learned so much, but I started learning. Watch, I started learning to watch. Uh, I started learning more, and I started watching baseball because I fell in love with the sport and I understood it now. Oh, so that's why they did that. I just didn't think it was them throwing a ball and somebody hitting it with a stick. And some of these sports analysis, hey, unless they play the sport, I'm sorry. You know, that's just my opinion, and uh, I could be wrong. I'm not trying to say that everyone that, that, that's a journalist and has a sports analysis that never played sports don't know nothing. I'm not saying that. But I, I, like, I like hearing from the, the athletes themselves. But this, this whole issue of Tim Tebow getting this position because he's white is a racist term, by the way. I'm just saying because you're thinking that the only reason he got this was racist because the only way you're thinking he got the job was because he's white. That sounds racist. I'm sorry. But anyway... So, so, but he got cut, and, and that's the thing. People are like, the only reason he got this is because of white privilege. You'll never see a black athlete have that opportunity. And I just mentioned one from the Denver Broncos, but let's, let's shift this week a little bit, okay? And I thought about this right from the jump. In the NFL right now, there was high-profile quarterback battles. Uh, one's in Jacksonville, which was um, 
Trevor Larson's position, which he got. But then he had two other ones. There was Taysom Hill against Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater against Drew Luck. Huh? Wait. Now, let me, let me wrap this around for you. In the Saints battle, Jameis Winston's black. Taysom Hill's white. In Denver, Teddy Bridgewater is black. And Drew Luck, Drew Luck was white. So now these are two examples I'm going to be using. According to critical race theory, or white privilege, or whatever you want to call it, Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater should not have an opportunity to even compete for this job. It should automatically go to Taysom Hill or Drew Luck. Am I right? Because that's what we taught today, folks. White privilege. White privilege is, 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 the, is, is the center point for this. Because if you're white, you get the benefits. You get the starting job. If you're white, you get the table before a black man. If you're white, you, will, you don't get you, the rules change for you. That is critical race theory. That is white privilege. But folks, and like I said, if this was the case in the NFL right now, now we know the NFL is woke. Now, I don't know who the coach is for Denver, but the, Sean Payton had a decision to make in a coach from Denver. This week, news stories started flashing that Jameis Winston won the starting job over Taysom Hill. When this happened, my thinking, like I said, I'm using sports to prove them wrong. If critical race theory is right and white privilege is supposed to be the dominant factor of every decision, and look, even Sean Payton, I know the Saints coaching staff, I don't know the Denver Broncos staff, but the coaching staff for New Orleans, Sean Payton's white. I believe their offensive coordinator's white. So shouldn't Taysom Hill have gotten the job from the first start? Shouldn't Sean Payton have went to Taysom Hill and said, listen, you're white. So you already got this position, but we have to make it look good for the, uh, for the media. And that the media can go ahead and, and, and show, you can show the media that, you know, we're considering the, 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 the black athlete. But because you're white, you got this position. Drew Luck should have got the same lecture from his coach or whatever. Because white privilege. Because you remember, the, the week before, they went ahead and educated us, so-called educated us, on... Tim Tebow. The only reason Tim Tebow got that was because he's white. Now, you're not hearing about that this week with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And look, some of these people, some of these people on the left are on the, on the, on the, uh, were cheering for Jameis Winston. They were hoping that a black quarterback would get us the starting job and beat out a white person. Some of these people were thinking that. Like I said, look, I like Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill is a good quarterback. But if you look at his stats compared to Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston did a good job. He did a better job than Taysom Hill, so he deserved the job. But according to white privilege and the white, uh, to, to critical race theory, this should have never happened. It should have been Taysom Hill got the job. Would I even try? He shouldn't even throw us a, a football. Now let's go to Denver. The next day, I, uh, I believe that happened on Wednesday or Thursday, and the next day of that, it was announced that Teddy Bridgewater beat out Drew Luck. And I'm thinking, wait, what? Two black quarterbacks beat out two white quarterbacks? Oh, my goodness. And look, I had, I had this story wrapped up. I knew, I knew what I was going to talk about this week. I knew because I want to show the world. I want to show my podcast audience. You can use the things that the left used to prove them wrong. 
Teddy Bridgewater, like I said, the same thing. If you compare the numbers, Teddy Bridgewater did a way better job than Drew Luck. So who should get the job? Teddy Bridgewater. But this proves that white privilege does not exist. This proves that critical race theory does not exist. These two young men, Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater, fought, look, one play, one's played for New Orleans, and I watched him. One has played for New Orleans. It, this shows that, look, these two quarterbacks are good. They, they, they bust their rear end to get these jobs. And I credit them for that. I credit them for working hard and fulfilling their dream. They both had a second chance. This is Teddy Bridgewater's third chance to run a team. But if you go according to the narrative, this should have never happened because they're black and the other two quarterbacks are white. Folks, these coaches got together and they looked at the numbers and they said, listen, it's Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater. They did better. They're the best chance for us to win a team. To win, to win the Super Bowl. It wasn't because, well, you know, we, we should pick Teddy Bridgewater because he's black and show the American people that, that you know, if you're fair, you, no. I'm going to give props to Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater. They worked their butt off, and that's the point I want to prove to you all today. This critical race theory, this white privilege, I use the NFL, three examples of the NFL that disproved what they were talking about Tim Tebow and their, their political narrative. Folks, it's not about it's not about being white or being black. It's about working hard and fulfilling your dream. Folks, I am working hard at this podcast. I am working hard on Brothers Just Searching. I am working hard for my dad right now, one of our sponsors of the show. I'm working hard to help build up the company. I'm working hard to go ahead and get content for this show. I'm working hard. I did not get where I am right now because I'm white. I did not get where I am because I have privileges. I have to work my butt off every freaking day. But according to some, and look, like I said, Jameis Winston, I, I know Taysom Hill and Drew Luck did the same thing. They worked hard. They worked hard. But they, their performance did not outshine the other two that they worked on. Now, this, now, as for Taysom Hill and Drew Luck, work harder. Keep in the film room. Keep doing it. And that's what I tell people. Don't, don't. They're not relying on their white skin. Folks, when I seen this, I was like, critical race theory is disproven. And if us conservatives could go ahead and do more of this and look for these examples out of a leftist organization like the NFL, we would get somewhere. But that's the problem with the Republicans and conservatives. We're too, sometimes we're too lazy to dig a little bit. We don't like getting our hands dirty to get information to prove other, prove the left wrong. I want to thank you for listening to the Cajun Conservative Show. Again, if you have not yet hit that subscribe button, go ahead and reach out to us on Facebook at the Cajun Conservative Show. Also, reach out to me at the Cajun Conservative 5. Check out the email, uh, the, the website, the Cajun Conservative Show dot WordPress.com. So until next week, be safe, be, be, be ready for the Lord to come back because he's coming back soon. Pray for us in Louisiana for this storm. Until next week, bye-bye.